Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters and I want to thank you for being here for the 20th class session that we've had. Yeah, let's just jump right in. 20, wow, I can't believe I'm here already. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's jump right in. So we talked about Psycho, we talked about pure cinema, we talked about how that got an emotional reaction from the audience and now we're going to move on to Hitchcock's next film and his next great classic that everyone knows him for. Uh, see, Hitch purchased the rights to a short story by Daphne du Maurier. Maurier. Daphne du Maurier? Daphne du Maurier. Uh, same woman who wrote Rebecca, which was the movie, which was the novel that got adapted into uh, Hitch's first American film. Now, his original intention was to take this short and turn it into an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. However, he ended up turning it into a classic film instead. Uh, and, of course, that movie that we're talking about is The Bird's. A uh, story about a high society but mischievous woman who travels out to a small fishing town to pull a prank over on a man who pulled one on her. Out there, strange occurrences begin to happen when birds of all kinds start attacking the townspeople as the two pranksters fall in love with each other. Again, like Psycho, you should have seen this already. If you're listening to the show, you should have seen this already. Um, I don't think I have anything that is going to be too spoiler heavy i I'm, I'm not breaking down um scenes in depth as i did with psycho um but again you should have seen this already um so the birds is hitch's first work with tippy hedron uh who he had seen in a commercial she was a new york model and hitch had flown her to hollywood out telling her who was that was interested in hiring her she met with i don't know his agent or somebody instead of meeting with him with the man himself um, but once she was hired, uh, he did screen tests of her and taught, basically taught her how to act. Remember, she was a model, not an actress. And as she put it, he became her drama coach, effectively. And a big part of visual storytelling is directing actors to communicate through their expressions. Um, this is going to be a little bit of review, so I'm sorry for that. But I do think this is important if we're going to talk about directing specifically. Um, and the reason I emphasize directing is because... Um, I tell you that the show is, is where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Well, in my mind, a filmmaker is not a director. I don't think those, those terms are synonymous. To me, a filmmaker is anybody in the industry who understands the medium enough to at least do their job with excellence. And so in that sense, a producer can be a filmmaker. Um, in fact, filmmaker or direct or producers were filmmakers for a long time. We talked about David O. Selznick and 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 his brand of of producing. Well, that's filmmaking. Uh, there are a lot of uh, and filmmaking also doesn't mean controlling like David O. Selznick was. Filmmaking means you understand the medium so that you in in a way that you can make films, at least in in, in at least in one trade or another. Um, there have been uh, phenomenal actors that I would say are filmmakers. Uh, Jack Nicholson could be one of those, as I've heard many people um, discuss how working with him made their movie better. And not just because he's a stellar actor, but, be, or, but because he understood filmmaking. Um, you know, a great editor or a, a great director of photography or a great um, even... Even below the line guys, I think a great gaffer could be considered a filmmaker. 
if they understand the medium beyond just what they do. So that's why I differentiate between filmmaker and director. Um, yes, Hitch was a director, but beyond that, Hitch was a filmmaker. So when I get into directing actors, I'm talking about one aspect of his job, which was to be a director, but is also one aspect of his calling, shall I say, which was filmmaking. So in the book Hitchcock on Hitchcock, um, in the essay on style, which we've quoted from several times, uh, he says of Tippi Hedren, her face was used entirely to register impressions because the story was being told from her point of view. I believe that one should at all costs try to use that face in the visual as much as possible. It's part of the industry. It's part of what our medium is. And that's what makes Alfred Hitchcock more than just a director. He understood the medium. He understood the differences between film and stage and novels and radio. Um, he had an in-depth understanding of the medium of filmmaking. Now, there's a great quote from Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, again, I'm sorry this is some review, but I do think this is important. And it's been a long time since we talked about it. So, And, and we're actually going to go through this pretty quickly because there's, there's other things that we've talked about but not like this that I want to get to um, so there's a, uh, a great quote that says a good screen actor can do nothing well and that's that's the beauty of, of screen acting of film acting, of TV acting it's the ability to not do anything in terms of get up and walk or sit down or um, but to literally be able to sit there and communicate thoughts expressions, emotions to an audience um, and it's not true that you're not doing anything, but, you know, it's, it's the flick of the eye. It's how you hold your face, how you, how you hold your posture. Um, it's, it's, uh, where are your eyebrows? Are they low furrowed over your eyelids? Are they up high? You know, it's, you know, how do you hold your mouth? Um, and I'm not an actor, but um, if you watch the birds and just watch Tippy's performance, you begin to understand what Hitch is talking about. And it's not just Tippy's performance, it's also Suzanne Plachette's performance and Rod Taylor's performance and uh, Jessica Lane's performance and all the other actors in this film. It's their ability to not speak, but communicate exactly how they feel to the audience. Now, if we tell our story mainly through the visuals, which we know Hitch was a big fan of, and that's what acting is, it's telling the story through the visuals, or at least that's what it should be, uh, you need to have a great soundtrack to support it. Which is interesting because the soundtrack, to most people, means film, or means music. Because the soundtrack is the record that we buy of the score. And that's not necessarily the case. Or maybe not of the score, but of the music that's in the film. Um... Soundtrack is a much bigger term than that. Soundtrack is the sound effects, is the dialogue, is all of the sounds in the audio, visual, presentation. And counterintuitively, there is no score for the birds. There's no music in it at all. In Hitch, Hitchcock on Hitchcock, Volume 2, in a very poorly uh, section called the Interview with Alfred Hitchcock, it says... He says, a lot of my films don't have music. The Birds has no music. 
You know, sometimes you can do without music altogether, and working with musicians is not easy. The trouble with musicians is that you have absolutely no control. There is never and never can be close collaboration between the director and composer. I don't know that that's entirely true, but if you're a director who doesn't have great musical ability, then you're going to have a difficult time communicating with the composer. And there are many composers that I have heard are difficult to work with because they're so good at their job um, that, that they could be difficult to collaborate. Bernard Herrmann was one of those composers. Uh, there were a couple of other composers that Hitchcock worked with that were that way as well. It was difficult to work with sometimes, difficult to collaborate with. There's no score in The Birds, and Hitch felt that you didn't need music to sell a movie, and I think to a large extent he's right. And I think that The Birds is a primary example of that because it is a classic film that has no score. So what goes in that sound mix? Well, sound effects, ADR, full, or not ADR, Foley, uh, etc., practical sound effects, who knows. But he told Truffaut, and by the way, that Truffaut interview that I keep referencing is um, happened while they were in post-production on the birds. If you listen to the interview, Truffaut had watched a screening of the film twice before doing this interview with Hitchcock, or at least before interviewing him about the film uh, in his long-ranging interview. And Hitch said this. He said, we are really experimenting here by taking real sounds and then stylizing them in such a way that we can really extract a little bit more drama out of ordinary sounds. I always, at the, end of picture, at the end of a picture, dictate a new script myself. Sometimes it's fairly intense, other times it is not. But it is a sound script. I keep running every reel, and after the reel is run, I dictate every sound in detail. In those particular cases, I was asking for natural sounds. And in those particular cases, he's talking about past films. I was asking for natural sounds. Here with this new system, I'm going to not only indicate the sound we want, but the style and nature of the sound. If you listen carefully to the sounds of the film, they are not quite realistic. They are all dramatized in some way, from the bird screeches to the sound of a truck engine. Now, what new system is he talking about? Well, I'll tell you. If we go back to that, again, poorly titled uh, part of Hitch on Hitch Volume 2, Interviewed with Alfred Hitchcock, he says, In fact, the bird sounds were entirely electronic from beginning to end. I took the film over to West Berlin. They had a machine there, a huge console that is guaranteed to give you any sound you want. They gave me a sample of a tank battle all done with this machine. Anyway, the bird sounds were made that way. And if you listen carefully, or not even that carefully, uh, to the sounds of the film, they're, they're not realistic. Uh, they are that dramatized. They're that stylized sound that was manufactured that's something that i think is interesting that hitch was so far ahead of the curve to start doing something that we sort of take for granted now this idea of stylizing a sound so they can have an additional impact um one of the great examples of that film is the scene where a woman after discovering a dead body drives a truck off of a farm and it's, it's low and in the distance, but it's not natural. There's this whine of the truck engine that could almost stand for the woman screaming in a way because she, she, she herself withholds that scream, but the truck almost does it for her in a way. It's really interesting. And, of course, the bird sounds, if you've, if you've listened to them before, you, you understand that they're not normal. They're not the same sounds that I play at the end of every show. Uh, they are 
there's an additional element to them that gives them almost a terrifying quality or at least a, an unsettling quality to them. Now, we mentioned before Bar- uh, we mentioned before Bernard Herman. So, poor poor Bernard, right? He's been he's been scoring movies very successfully for Alfred Hitchcock for some time now, and now Hitchcock does a movie with no music at all. Well, Bernard Herman was fascinated by this idea of scoring a movie with sound effects. So, Hitch Hitch let Herman stay on, but not as the composer, more as the sound consultant, and unofficially you'll see him credited on IMDb as the sound designer, which is really closer to what to what his role entailed. Which I think is a see, and and there's an opportunity for the composer and the director to have a great collaboration. So I don't know what Hitch was talking about there. Anyway, we're gonna wrap this up by talking about another aspect of Hitchcock that we haven't talked about really, um, but I I think it's worth noting, and it it it's actually gonna help us set up something down the road as we get closer and closer to wrapping up. Uh, this season of Hitchcock, or this this semester maybe, of Hitchcock University, we're going to um, uh, we're going to talk talk about Hitchcock's last two films. We still have another film in between there that I want to get to. In fact, actually, I've been debating with myself whether or not I should have given my listeners a list ahead of time. So we might as well give you a list. Um, I thought it would be cool to kind of conceal it and then reveal it, but you know that, that really doesn't make too much sense. Because I want you guys to have seen these movies going in, and, and, and I also, more importantly than my own selfish reasons, I want you guys to have seen these movies because I think they're worth watching. So if you haven't seen them, you know, we're only three episodes away, why not? We'll give you the list. Uh, our next class session will be a film called Marnie, also starring Tippi Hedren and starring Sean Connery. Uh, and then we will get to a movie called Frenzy from 1972, and Frenzy... Um, does not have anybody in it that you will recognize, so I can't give it to you that way. But Frenzy, Universal movie, Universal Studios picture, and uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Then his last movie from 1976 called Family Plot. So, yeah, those are the movies we're going to get into. So what I was going to say was uh, actually actually everything, almost everything we're talking about in this episode sets up uh, what I want to talk about in Frenzy. So pay close attention because uh, this is all going to come back around. Um, we're going to get some interesting ideas there. But um, Hitchcock was very careful about having a realistic aesthetic. Um, what he did was he would send out a photographer uh, to take photos of the environment that they were going to be filming in. So then his his uh, his set designers, his production designers, would have. Um, you know, even his costume designers would have some would have reference to go off of. Um, so there's there's a couple of scenes involving school children in uh, in the birds, and he had his photographer uh, go take photos of all the school children in Bodega Bay, where they filmed the film, and is a real fishing town uh, off the coast of California. Um, I don't know that I'd recommend driving all the way out there because it is out of the way and there's not anything to do there or really to see. Um, the town looks completely different, and a lot of the town that you see in the film is 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 I, feels fabricated. Either that or everything has just been demolished and rebuilt. I'm not sure. Um, you can see uh, what is now the Wharf Tides Restaurant um, 
and you can see the bay. Um, there's not much else to see. Um, aside from the school, which actually isn't in Bodega Bay, it's in a town inland, I don't know, about 10 miles or so called Bodega. And uh, that's worth seeing. Um, you know, if you're out there, I guess. I was already in Santa Rosa at the time, so it wasn't much of a drive. Uh, but anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. Um, a photographer taking pictures of all the school children in Bodega Bay so that when they cast the kids, they knew what they needed to replicate. And the costume designer also had styles that that they could that he or she could um, could imitate as well. Now, the school teacher in this film, played by Suzanne Plachette, is a woman from San Francisco, but who lives in Bodega Bay. So Hitch sent a photographer to photograph a school teacher's home in both locations, uh, so that when they designed the the set, uh, they could put elements of both a San Francisco school teacher's home and a and the Bodega Bay school teacher's home in that in that apartment and kind of make a blend of the two. Um, and lastly there's a there's an infamous extended restaurant scene uh, from the film and that restaurant is an exact copy of the one that was there at the time of the filming. I have not eaten at that restaurant and now that I'm looking back on it I wish I'd at least stepped into the restaurant to look at it um, to see if it had changed, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, that's all we have for the birds. Um, unfortunately, this film wasn't discussed in the same kind of detail uh, as Psycho, which I'm a little disappointed with because because um, it's the birds. It's it's classic Hitchcock, or at least not in a way that I that I could do it without spoiling it. And I'm really trying to do as little spoilage as possible. Um, but anyway, that that's the birds. Uh, thank you for attending Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. I've been Taylor Bickle. And uh, if you would like to reach out to the show, you can contact, if you have any questions, comments, otherwise, um, you can contact the show at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. We are also available on Facebook. Uh, Hitchcock University. There's a page there, and uh, Hitch underscore U. The um, is our Twitter handle. Um, also, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating or review, I'd really like to like to get some feedback from my from what few listeners I have on uh, SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, of course, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show, or, or thank you so much for attending uh, Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from masters, and we will hold class again in two weeks.